Hello and welcome to Baseball Bite for people who'd rather be listening to the game than to a podcast about it. It's your quick end of the week roundup of some of the stories of interest. And with that pitch clock always running, there's no time to lose. So let's play ball. Isn't it always the way? You wait for ages for a no-hitter and then two come at once. And ironically, both of them prevented from being a perfect game by a hit by pitch. The last time that happened being Max Scherzer's near-perfecto in 2015. So yes, following on from Padre Joe Musgrove's no-no last Friday, White Sox left-hander Carlos Lodon joined the exclusive club this Wednesday, although thanks to Cleveland's catcher Roberto Perez getting in the way, we still have to wait for the next perfect game. The last one, of course, being Felix Hernandez back in 2012. But nonetheless, this was as good a feel-good story as last Friday's San Diego local boy made good, if not more, considering the many struggles that Mr. Rodon has faced over the past few years, what with injuries, surgery, and all the doubts surrounding a pitcher who hasn't managed to post a sub-4 ERA since his rookie season back in 2015. But he blasted those doubts away on Wednesday night over those 114 pitches with ever-increasing velocity, the final one of which clocked in at 98.8 miles per hour, which was actually the hardest he'd thrown in five years. And to think he wasn't even meant to be pitching that night, the game having been postponed on Sunday and then him scratched on Monday due to stomach upset. Ah, those baseball gods and their plans. And let's not forget the other essential element to the record, without whom, if nothing else, pitchers would end up looking rather silly, is catcher Zach Collins, who had only caught 15 games before this, his first ever no-hitter. Meanwhile, the Cardinals' Yadi Molina was on the same night behind the plate for the 2,000th time in his career since 2004, becoming the sixth player to reach that mark and crucially the only player in MLB history to do so exclusively with one team. And his 277th time at the backstop with St. Louis starter Adam Wainwright, putting the partnership also at sixth in MLB history. But in all that time, ironically, the one thing that Mr. Molina has never done is catch a no-hitter. Oh, and speaking of the strange quirks of baseball fate, a classic piece of trivia courtesy of the Athletics' Andy McCulloch. What, or more to the point who, do these four pitchers all have in common? Dave Stewart in 1990, Jose Jimenez in 1999, Bud Smith in 2001, and now Carlos Lodon. They've of course all thrown a no-hitter while being managed by Tony La which shows, if nothing else, how the White Sox manager really does span the ages. In the ever-changing storyline that is baseball, the Red Sox have become the first team in Major League history to begin a season with at least three straight losses and immediately follow with a streak of nine wins. The ever-vivacious Alex Verdugo, after going hitless in that first notorious series loss to Baltimore, added some of his goal during Wednesday's doubleheader sweep of the Twins with his two hits in both games and a home in the second for good measure. And although in yesterday's final game of the series, Mr. Verdugo's base-clearing double in the eighth looked like it might do it again, Minnesota managed to prevent a serious sweep with Max Kepler's walk-off single, ensuring their 4-3 win. This halt to their five-game losing streak being no doubt welcome, especially after this week's disruptions caused by the news on Wednesday that shortstop Angleton Simmons had contracted COVID. Mr. Simmons having announced a couple of weeks before that he'd refused to have the vaccine. It appears that the Twins is one of the teams, presumably not helped by such refusals, that is struggling to reach the 85% threshold required by MLB for the relaxation of the COVID protocols. Elsewhere, Cleveland's reliever James Karinczak was criticised last week for a social media post showing his support for the anti-vax conspiracy movement, while, for example, Cubs manager David Ross was quoted that some of the players were reluctant and were engaging in a learning process concerning the vaccine, whatever that means. I'm sure, though, that if they could, Atlanta would put all its trust in science if it meant being able to clone Ronald Acuna Jr., as without him, this week's series against Miami would have been even more painful. 
what with many of his teammates struggling to even get above the Mendoza line. With his seventh homer last night and 17 runs total, he leads the majors, not to mention also in slugging and OPS too. But he did get some help last night and with Dansby Swanson single in the ninth, ensured the 7-6 win and at least avoided the dread sweep. Seconds out. Yes, considering we're only a couple of weeks into the season, we've already had our fair share of bench-clearing brawls. And last night's first inning argy-bargy came courtesy of White Sox's Adam Eaton, who on sliding into second took umbrage at being pushed off the bag and then tagged by Cleveland's Andres Jimenez. Cue lots of further pushing, shoving and the usual shenanigans. And even when that calmed down, Mr Eaton, I'm sure totally coincidentally, ended up hit by a pitch in the third by Cleveland starter Aaron Caval. That final game was a 4-2 win for Cleveland, ensuring a split for a series that was eventful to say the least, and no doubt generates enough bad blood for future encounters. Another team that knows all too well about such bad blood is Chicago, although as well as its own tensions with Milwaukee the other day, it has other struggles on the mind. On Tuesday, Cubs historian Ed Hartig pointed out that its 49 hits at that point were the fewest hits by the team over 10 consecutive games in a season since at least 1901. That's any 10-game stretch, not just the first 10 games of a season. The previous low being 51 hits in September 1968. And currently at 59 hits for the season, they are still ranking very much last in baseball. And the mood was obviously not helped by their 7-0 loss to the Brewers on Wednesday. That was at the hands of Corbin Burns, who struck out 10 in 6 innings while also doing his bit for the pro DH cause with his single, which drove in two runs. That is, by the way, to add some salt to Chicago's wounds, two runs more than he's allowed over his past two starts. And if that's not enough, he is now the first pitcher in the modern era to produce 30 strikeouts and zero walks over his first three starts of the season. Not such a good start for his surname-sake Washington's Patrick Corbin, who has got off to an awful 2021. What with his season start last Saturday when he gave up six runs over four and a third innings in their 9-5 loss to the Dodgers, followed by last night's career-high 10 runs in an 11-6 loss to the Diamondbacks. The first inning saw him surrender three runs, after which it just got a whole lot worse with another seven runs in the second inning. All in all, in those two starts, the 31-year-old left-hander has given up an eye-watering 16 runs, 15 of which earned, on 12 hits, of which four were home runs, over just six and a third innings, and an ERA high enough to pop anyone's ears at 21.32. Someone who's coming to the end of his happy cowboy trails this season is umpire and sometime country and western singer Joe West, and will be doing so with a little extra in his saddlebag, with a libel win this week of $500,000 plus interest after suing successfully catcher Paul Loduca, who suggested in 2019 on the Action Network podcast that Mr. West, Cowboy Joe to his friends, was in the habit of taking bribes from the then Mets pitcher Billy Wagner back in the early 2000s to open up the strike zone. And to make it clear before the humble baseball bite ends up in his own legal high noon, the court found that there was zero evidence that this ever happened. His lawyer, Kevin Murphy, successfully argued that any such rumours would affect his client's chances of being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And the presiding Judge Kelly accepted that this was a legitimate concern, recognising that failing to be inducted due to any questions concerning Joe West's integrity and character, (laughs) heaven forbid, could potentially affect future earnings from speaking engagements and autograph shows. 
Mr. West plans to retire this year and has his eye on staking a claim to a major league record. If he gets to May 25th, rain out, etc. permitting, then he will have beaten the previous holder of the record, Bill Clem's 5,375 games umpired. His lawyer, while successful in this case, also represents the umpire, Angel Hernandez, who lost his discrimination case earlier this month, in spite of a character reference from the good old country Joe himself. Ah well, can't win them all, partner. Speaking of umpires, litigious or otherwise, there's a couple of interesting articles by the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal and Bleacher Report's Zachary D. Reimer concerning the state of the replay review system. This is in the wake of two controversial decisions in the space of a week, that of Mets' Michael Conforto's hit-by-pitch walk-off win last Thursday and Phillies' Alec Baum's touch, or no touch as it were, off home plate in the Sunday win over the Braves. Both pieces take a critical look at the system with some ideas for how to make it better, including that of Atlanta's Dansby Swanson, who suggests that the replay officials in New York should not be told what the umpires had declared, but instead base it purely on the video footage. In order to prevent what is believed by some critics to be an unwillingness of the review staff to override the decisions of their fellow umpires. And it would be surely desirable to consider any options that would, as Mr. Rosenthal says, avoid two game-changing mistakes in the span of four days. One game to rule them all. Ah, yes, thank you very much to our very own pound shop, Brian Blessed. Yes, this is the moment when I like to suggest one game to watch above all others. And depending on how you view the two teams, it's either a clash of the titans or David and Goliath to start the weekend. I'm, of course, referring to tonight's opening game of the Dodgers-Padres series, which promises to bring all sorts of storms to sunny Southern California. So we have LA showing incredible momentum, coming off a six-game winning streak, a plus 34-run differential, and in that rarefied air of the baseball imaginarium, talk of being on pace to win 137 games. Meanwhile, rather like one of those climactic movie scenes, when the once-thought injured superhero springs back into the battle, Fernando Tatis Jr. looks set to sally forth tonight. In spite of what sounded like a serious shoulder injury, reports of his reactivation will only serve to add even more excitement to the must-see series ahead. And considering all the chuntering and chirping between the two teams last season, this first of 19 encounters promises to be the beginning of a beautiful animosity. Ah, that joyous sound of the Mariners' home run horn can only mean one thing. It's time for me to trot around the base and get myself home. But until next time, my friends, never forget that sometimes in life, a quick bite is all that you need. Make sure that you subscribe, follow, at Baseball Bite. But until next time, happy baseball.